Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. The haves and the have-nots. Are we going that direction? I think with the new tax plan, I think we're going to set that up a little bit more, especially in the housing area. Oh, what do we got? Imbalance of rebalancing. Wall Street on a regular basis has to take a look at itself and check itself before it wrecks itself. And a lot of times one of the things it does is it says, oh, tech stocks have done well, so let's put the money in financials. So sometimes there's kind of rolling money. Sometimes there's kind of a rock and roll session where everyone starts excited and is depressed. Yesterday was a bit of a roll. Monday was a bit of a rocked, but then it rolled over. Tech sector tried tech sector tried to rebound, but the big engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, it ultimately got off the rails and another disappointing outing. Some people think this is it. We've topped out. The inability of the tech sector to maintain its early strength. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Oh, I can't. Took a toll on investor sentiment and fostered a steady stream of selling interest. And it left us all negative for the day. I'm a sad donkey. Taking a look at... I once was in Mexico. I don't want to say I was at a zoo. I saw a donkey and it just made me sad. It's something that's stuck with me my whole life. I think from reading that Winnie the Pooh, where the donkey had Eeyore, had his tail fall off. I'm like, that's messed up. It's messed up. So there's some not negative bias out there right now. The stock market's been unable to hold on to bigger gains, suggesting to some that the buying efforts related to the tax reform optimism, is it, it, it's exhausted. I, I'm exhausted. I've made so much money this year. I keep looking at my worth. I'm like, oh, I've made more money. I've made more money. More, 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 more money. And I'm like, it's exhausting. So the struggles of the market tell you something. The tech sector, I think it's an indication that the latest rally leg has run its course. And it's not going to get back on track until tech does. Now, there's been a healthy dose of sector rotation in financials. But when one of the largest sectors is sitting out, I don't want to play. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Then the players that are left are like, well, what do we do without a ball? You kind of need tech right now. But a little sector rotation is great, but you run out of areas to rotate into. It's the imbalance of rebalancing. I don't know the political ramifications of it, but I hear they're great that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, has acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital of Israel which is a contentious act that the, the Middle East 
won't like. A lot of Middle East leaders have warned that naming Jerusalem as the capital by moving our embassy to Jerusalem has basically warned, all these leaders have warned that it's going to sow the seeds of unrest in the region. I think it's going to be a fun year in 2018, the midterm elections, to see does America give a damn or do they not? And then in three years, the next presidential election cycle, the inside track to run for Democratic president right now is Bernie Sanders, according to polls. Whoa. Do we want a guy who would be like the oldest president by far ever running against Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I just don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't matter. It's the thought in my head, but it does matter, doesn't it? Geopolitical angst tied towards Jerusalem today. Challenges the global growth argument. There's a flattening yield curve. There's a flaccid dollar. There's a surprising drop in copper prices. Copper's down 9% since October. When the world grows, copper grows in demand and price. Copper's a leading indicator to me. You see a 2.2% decline in Home Depot after they updated their long-term financial targets. America owns homes. When we own a home, we paint homes. When we paint, we go to Home Depot. We buy brushes. When we're there, we're like, oh, look at that. I can get a Nest thermostat for 140 bucks. I have a Nest thermostat. I know you're saying, bragger. It's kind of cool that you can check the temperature of your house on your phone. You can be in Hawaii and go, oh, oh, it's cold back in California. My, my fish is going to die if I don't heat the home. No way. It's pretty cool. The nest is actually really cool because it learns um, your tendencies. It learns when you're home, not home. But uh, great, great gift if you have uh, anyone that has lives in cold weather. Great gift. So last year I did an uh, Airbnb, and it was the first time I saw a Nest thermostat. And part of the note to the renter, uh, the landlord said, "Don't worry about you know setting the temperature when you leave because of freezing pipes or anything like that. I'll do it remotely." I'm like cool, I get it. So the ADP employment change report from November was spot on. It showed an estimate of 190,000 jobs being added. Um, productivity increased 3%. Unit labor costs were revised to a decline of two-tenths of a percent. The downward revision to unit labor costs, which are down seven-tenths of a percent of the last four quarters, was due to a 3% increase in productivity being greater than the 2.7% increase in hourly compensation. What's the takeaway? Because you don't need to know these numbers. The takeaway is productivity has seen the largest increase since 2014, yet labor costs continue to be subdued. Um, that's going to keep long-term rates low. Uh, the yield on the 10-year Treasury right now is 2.33%. It's just 53 basis points above the yield on a two-year note, which is 125 basis points. Um, there's a problem there. The curve flattening trade and its ultimate meaning remains unknown. Are we seeing a flight to safety? Are we seeing trouble down the road is the question. Equity traders, stock traders, uh, investors are a little bit flat-footed right now. 
And if you're not, you're doing something wrong. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Got a big webinar coming up. It's absolutely free, but you have to sign up for it now because it's almost out of space. 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning, December 13th. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, coach of the Santa Clara Broncos, Herb Sindek. Herb, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. Congratulations. You have a nice homestand going on right now. You got back-to-back wins after a tough trip to Alaska in the tournament. Um, season seems to be getting on track right about now. Is that correct? Well, we're still very much a work in progress. Um, you know, okay. we're thirsty to improve every opportunity we get. Excuse me. Um, but it was good to get a couple wins last week. I thought our guys bounced back and played very well. I would say it was a pretty balanced offensive attack when you played Northern Arizona, 89-57. to 57. Uh, Big win, big win. You had it from the get-go, and you didn't lapse. That's important. No, we shot the ball well, and, and, and we did have good scoring balance. And if we're going to be at our best, you know that that's going to be an important ingredient for us. We're going to have to very much uh, share the ball and, and, and do it collectively. 17 three-pointers. How big is the three to your team this year? It's very big. You know, it's, it's something we've always um, been a fan of since it came into existence back in, in 1987. I was a member of the staff at Providence that went to the Final Four, and really the reason we were able to do that is Coach Rick Pitino was um, really out ahead of the curve based on his NBA experience, and we, we took advantage of that line in, in that inaugural season, and uh, really have been an advocate of that moving forward, and uh, it's really revolutionized the game of basketball. Let's talk about the Final Four for just a second, because I went to George Mason University, and they had an improbable run to the Final Four. How great would it be for the community if Santa Clara Broncos could get to a Final Four? I know that's that's pipe-dreaming big time, but it's a fun experience, is it not? No, it's, uh, it's an incredible experience, and every once in a while there is... Uh, a Cinderella like George Mason um, that you're referring to. Uh, But it's incredibly difficult in college basketball, uh, especially if you're outside a power conference, uh, to to even make the tournament. And, uh, you know, uh, the March Madness is one of the great sporting events in our country. And once you're in, uh, anything is possible. And we've seen some epic runs like the Patriots had uh, back in the day. I would be thrilled if Santa Clara Broncos did it this year because it's fun radio, it's fun television, it's fun to go to the game. Well, let's get it done then. Um, Talking about improbable, one of the things you kind of touched on in my head was that television is so big now and the Internet's so big. Santa Clara can now recruit better than ever and compete better than ever against the big conferences. Maybe it's tough against the Dukes for sure, but it does help having more of an international feel of the internet and different resources to gather players. Um, have you used that to your advantage? Well, I mean, we do recruit globally and uh, right. we have players from many different countries and we also have players from different pockets of the United States. You know, we have players on our team from the East coast and, and from around the world. 
So your second game of the week this week was Arkansas Pine Bluff, and that was a little bit more hotly contested. Matt Hauser scored a game-high 21 points on 7 for 10 shooting from behind the three. Is Matt Hauser your leader of the team this year? Well, we have uh, a number of guys who I would call leaders, and, and certainly Matt is one of them. And at one time or another, all the guys on our team um, will have an opportunity to show their leadership. And it's important, I guess, simultaneously that we're all leaders and all followers, including the, the head coach. And um, But we have a group of high-character guys uh, who are working not only to become better players but better leaders. That's an important component of our development here in the Santa Clara basketball program. Super excited. you got a big game coming up this week, and it's worthy of note that it's tied towards a uh, alumni night. So it's been basketball holding alumni night against Portland State where people can get tickets, and these are crazy affordable, and you can sit in the student section named The Rodeo. Um, tickets are $15, and you get to hang with the college kids again. Um, it's kind of go back to college night, so to speak. Uh, you, people can get tickets at SantaClaraBroncos.com at SantaClaraBroncos.com. Play in Portland State this week. What can we expect on Saturday? Well, Portland State's off to a great start. Um, they just had a terrific win over Stanford, um, and they led at Duke, led led against Duke at halftime, and then had a tough two point loss to uh, nationally uh, recognized program in Butler. Uh, they have great wins over uh, Utah State and UC Riverside already, so they're off to a great start. Um, they, they're six and two. They play tonight, and uh, they, they play a very uh, uh, pressing, um, you know, chaotic style of play. Are you? Do you bring any emotions to the game? Because I did a little bit of research, and I see that the head coach of Portland State used to serve as your associate head coach. Um, assistant head coach. Is there any emotion tied towards working with one of your assistants or going head-to-head against uh, your protege, so to speak? Well, I mean, I'm not a big fan of, of, of playing former staff members, but uh, this game was scheduled before he became the head coach at Portland State. Um, but in terms of our preparation this week and then the game on Saturday, you know, we're focused on um, you know coaching and helping our team and and, and so at that point, there really isn't, you know. Um, you know, all of our mental energies are focused on the task at hand. Now, Portland State is in your conference, correct? That's not correct. They're in the uh, oh, sky. We're in the West Coast Conference. Oh, I did not know where Portland State was. Not my bad. Uh, I should have done a little more research, as you can tell. <laughs> With that being said, good luck um, Saturday. And, uh, okay, great. Everyone. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Coach. Coach Herb Sindek, SantaClaraBroncos.com. You can get tickets, uh, men's basketball, to hold alumni night for Portland State matchup. Uh, anyone who graduated between 2008 and 2017 can relive their undergraduate time by sitting in the student section, which is kind of fun. I don't know if you're with me or against me on this one, but the thought of showing your children a fun time and taking them to a basketball game, um, going to any college is fantastic, but Santa Clara is a special place. It's a beautiful college with a beautiful uh, facilities. Tickets are fifteen dollars, and you get to sit in sections one hundred four to one hundred seven. Get rowdy in the rodeo T-shirt. First hundred patrons to enter the rodeo and ten dollar concession uh, voucher. So, if you're alumni, fifteen dollar ticket with ten dollar concession. That's pretty good. So five dollars to go out and have some food and watch basketball and see good West Coast basketball. Um, check it out. You can get tickets right here, right now at 
SantaClaraBroncos.com at SantaClaraBroncos.com. And you can listen to the game live here on KD, AM1220 KDOW. Um, big event Saturday, and it is a college event. And like I said, I'm going to probably go to this game uh, because I want to show my kids what college basketball is all about live and in person. It's a different sport live and in person. When you get to go into the auditorium, it's kind of a big gym, you know? Um, 7 p.m. into Levy Center against uh, the Vikings. The Broncos are in a stretch of a six of seven games at home. Later next week, they're going to play USC. i got to imagine that's going to be a, a big challenge, so to speak. Uh, but Herb Sendek, good luck. Have fun and uh, enjoy the game against Portland State uh, Alumni Night. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, talking a little basketball, a little Santa Clara Broncos. You can check them out at SantaClaraBroncos.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. You know me. I'm all about the sex, the drugs, and the rock and roll. But it's all about that little blue pill. Do you remember that little blue pill? That's good marketing, because you know what I'm you know where I'm going at. That little blue pill called Viagra. And I'm not talking about throwing footballs through hoops, tires, hoops, or anything like that. I'm talking about that commercial confuses me. <laughs> Sexual dysfunction commercials confuse me. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. But Viagra's journey from medicine to lifestyle is making a bit of a shift right now. A generic drug company right now is going to begin selling sildenafil. And to tell you the truth, I'm surprised that this news has gotten more attention. Sildenafil is the compound that goes by the brand name Viagra, introduced by Pfizer in 1998. It's been 20 years. Viagra has generated over $17 billion in the United States alone. The Viagra patent doesn't expire until 2020, but Pfizer agreed about four years ago to allow Teva Pharmaceuticals to sell a generic version starting December 2017. And uh, December 2017, which is right around the corner. So there was a legal battle between the two companies, and Pfizer kind of gave in. But Viagra's patent history isn't the point here. I'm talking lifestyle. Viagra was the first drug to allow impotent men to maintain erections. That made it into what was considered a lifestyle. Viagra's success wasn't how many times it was prescribed the first time. It was how many times people came back for a second prescription. And it showed the pharmaceutical industry there was money to be made developing drugs that improve people's lives without curing disease or alleviating pain. It's advertising happy couples enjoying life, thanks to Viagra, with drug side effects read hastily as music swells, was a precursor to the direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertising that now assaults us daily. I want to say... 17, 18 years ago, I went to a couple dinners um, that doctors basically paid me to be the speaker. What was interesting was, not doctors, excuse me, pharmaceutical companies would pay me to be the speaker on some painkillers, COX-2 inhibitors that were cleaner aspirin is essentially what they were, but they were cleaner aspirin that later we, we learn hurt your heart a bit, but they would pay me... And I'd be like, I don't need money, but if you want to give me a seven-course dinner, heck yeah. And then I got to hang out and watch a you know presentation about 
these Cox to inhibitors. And then I got to eat an amazing dinner, and then I got to talk to filthy rich doctors. Um, but Viagra was the first drug that I remember that was really a lifestyle drug. And I get that pharmaceuticals fabricate tons of money. Um, and in this case, it wasn't curing a disease. It wasn't alleviating pain. It wasn't helping you with your cancer. It was, you know, for lack of a better word, letting you get an erection so you can get it on. The critics have often described Viagra as representing a degradation of American life. Uh, you know, a, a, I, did, I think a, a descent into the quick fix pill culture. Um, you and your wife aren't intimate. You can't get an erection. You're mad at her. She's mad at you. Instead of going to couples therapy, take a pill. You know, there's no denying that it's allowed millions of American men to reclaim their sex lives. And I can't imagine any way, shape, or form that could be a bad thing overall, but I don't know. When you take a look at Viagra as a pill, as part of a pharmacy, as a product, um, it's pretty successful. It, it teaches you that, you know, Intel makes semiconductors. Microsoft makes software. I, I I don't even know where to go with this, but you know, Pfizer makes you know pills that get you. There you go. Thank you. Now Viagra is given away to some competitors as well, Cialis and Levitra, and they've all been marketed well. And during Super Bowls, I don't know what's about sexual dysfunction in Super Bowls or sexual dysfunction in football. I guess you got your captive male audience. It's been used by millions of men with little or no need. Um, it's it's terribly well. These pills are all well marketed. And again, you take a look at a Apple commercial right now. And I'll show you the beautiful Apple 10. Super slick and super well designed. And they'll have a thin person dancing. And you're like, I, if I get that 10 and I get those AirPods, I'll dance like that super skinny person who went to dance school. You have to recognize the effects of marketing in this day and age. 1990s, when Viagra was first brought to market, was the era of the pharmaceutical blockbuster because we started figuring out. Um, it, just as the years go on, you know, our, our science is moving from molecular to genetic, and blockbusters are happening pretty quickly at this point in time. A blockbuster drug is a drug that can generate a billion dollars a more in a billion dollars or more in revenue. Um, Pfizer had Lipitor, Celebrex, Zoloft in its portfolio. And then Sidenafil was expected to join them as an angina medication. As trials showed that the compound didn't do much for angina, but it had a remarkable side effect. Men got aroused and sustained erections with very little arousal. So this did not cause Pfizer's top executives to jump for joy. It didn't, which is kind of crazy. They worried about being accused of selling a re recreational drug. I mean, our society really changed with Pfizer. Viagra. So, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I'm not self-editing myself more. They feared that the company's reputation would be besmirched by the manufacturing of a sex aid. No, it's not a sex toy, a sex aid. And Pfizer in the 1990s changed pharmaceuticals. Did Pfizer's Viagra opened the door for recreational marijuana? I think it did. 
I think it did. Um, just my personal opinion. Trials showed that the compound didn't do much for angina. And again, angina. You're like, whoa. So the executives got together and they huddled and like, whoa. With very little arousal, men can sustain erections. And they started asking around. They toyed with the idea of spinning Viagra off into a separate company as a way to keep it at uh, like drugs, uh, uh, arm's length from the drug's reputation. Uh, Pfizer makes serious medications. So they did some market surveys. They did some focus groups. Pfizer became convinced that Viagra was destined to become another blockbuster. Um, and indeed it was. It was. It hit the billion-dollar mark in its first full year. So instead of distancing itself from its new drug, Pfizer went all in. Pfizer went all in. All in. Cooperating with stories it knew would be more salacious than not. It created a lifestyle drug for the first time ever. It's a major first innovation. Now, when you create it, that's one thing. When you sell it, that's another. Companies sold drugs by having salespeople persuade doctors to prescribe them. Like I told you, I went to a couple dinners where the salespeople would throw these big, just super fancy, wonderful dinners. Um, so that, doesn't, that model doesn't really work for doctors. Doctors are, are, are reluctant to ask patients about their sex lives. No one talks about sex. How much money is in your wallet? How much sex do you, how much sex did you have last week? Send me an email. You're not going to do it. The only way doctors were going to prescribe Viagra in large quantities is if the patient asked for it. So there was the marketing dilemma right there, or there was the sales dilemma. The marketing of it tries to get you to. Do you notice that drug commercials now say, "Ask your, do you have severe allergies? Does your snot come blowing out your nose and through your ears like?" Does it do that? If it does, then you should talk to your doctor. You should talk to your doctor and ask about this new pill. Isn't that crazy, right? We live in a society where the drug company says, if you have these symptoms, go talk to your doctor and tell them you want this solution. Don't ask your doctor for the solution. Tell them this is the solution you want. So the year before Viagra was launched, the FDA agreed to allow drug companies to advertise on television. There's a lot of tricky things. Like, you don't see a lot of tobacco commercials on television. You kind of do now. You don't see a lot of uh, hard liquor signs on television. You kind of do now. So no company used the new form of advertising as truly as Pfizer did, getting on television. Its first ads featured Bob Dole. Bob Dole! I'm Bob Dole! He was a 75-year-old former Kansas senator and war hero who had run for president in 1996. Do you remember Bob Dole? He had that, I think he had a dead arm or something, and he always had a pen in his hand. I'm not sure what that was all about. Dole's task was to show that he, was, he wasn't embarrassed to discuss his own impotence. The result of prostate cancer and others shouldn't be either. I had prostate cancer and I can't get it up. I'm taking this little blue pill. And I, like, the fact that I can like, remember all this sheepishly tells you, like, times have changed. Vote for Dole! Vote Dole! 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 Bob Dole! So, he used the phrase erectile dysfunction on TV. And I just... It changed the world for me. What is dysfunctional can become functional. He encouraged men to talk to their doctors about the condition. Many doctors who remember those days say that men would bring up Viagra sheepishly. Just as the visit was wrapping up. Oh, and by the way, can I get that little blue pill? Drugs, marketing, investing. I'm Rob Black. Hey, 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, invested in more. Walmart has a new name. They were incorporated as Walmart Stores, Inc. They've changed their name to Walmart. Companies trying to shift away from building traditional stores towards competing online with rival Amazon. Interesting, right? I'm not going to say that's a head-scratcher, but it's a bit of a head-scratcher. They've got 11,700 stores, and by changing their name, uh, is that going to make that much of a difference? They want to change their name to say, you can shop with us as a customer any way you want to be a customer. There was another company that did this. Can you think of who it was that's pretty famous? Apple. Apple Computer went from Apple Computer to Apple. Google went from Google to Alphabet, which I just hate. Great googly moogly. Companies that are in the midst of change often struggle to sit down with a group of investors and say, forget everything you've ever heard before. Now we're something different. I don't think Alphabet's done a good job of saying, not only are we Google, but we're also Waymo, but we're also, what else? Nest? How great would it be if they come up with 27 companies, A to Z, right? Sam Walton opened the first Walmart back in 1962 in Rogers, Arkansas, after opening several stores with other names, including Walton's, 5 and 10. The name Walmart came from Bob Bogle, one of the first store managers. The company incorporated in 1969 as Walmart, which has a dash in it from the first Walmart, which did not have a dash in it. Stores still account for more than 95% of its revenue, but in recent years, the company is shifting more towards online and improving existing sales stores. Last year, Walmart bought Jet.com for $3.3 billion to expand its e-commerce efforts. In the most recent quarter of all quarters, sales rose the fastest in nearly a decade. So is that going to work for you? Limited brands became L brands. I guess the name Limited was too limiting. During the 1990s dot-com boom, companies like 1-800-Flowers appended dot-com to their nameplate. But you can still call 1-800-Flowers. You don't necessarily have to do it online. Kraft Foods has become Mondelez. I jokingly say, sarcastically I say, Kraft Foods has probably killed more people than cigarettes. Philip Morris became Altria. Why? Because you think of Philip Morris and Marlboro Man as cancer. Altria, you think, we live in an altruistic world, which is wonderful. Tribune Publishing, whose newspapers include the LA Times and Chicago Tribune, they changed their name to Tronk, which is probably the hardest one to, to throw down. T-R-O-N-C, Tronk. Like, what the hell is going on with that name? Say what? So, Limited Brands, one of their divisions is Victoria's Secret. Wouldn't you rather say, I want to be an investor in Victoria's Secret than Limited Brands? Some of these names are, are just confounding to me. But they're out there. Home Depot is announcing a $15 billion share buyback. That's a biggie. One thing that I like about Home Depot is, as a homeowner, one of the things that is one of the greatest joys of my life is throwing down grass seed. It's throwing down soil. 
it's getting paint and painting the walls. It's getting paint and painting the outside. It's getting paint. Like, do you see what I'm saying? So Home Depot's not going to go out of business anytime soon. And you're like, but what about the mom and pop store? Screw that. If the mom and pop store is going to charge me 20% more for paint, I'm going to Home Depot. I'm not, I'm not loyal to paint. I'm loyal to my dollar. Just saying. Google has pulled YouTube from a lot of Amazon devices, saying it isn't playing fair. Retaliation for Amazon's website not selling some of Google's product. So, that sucks. <laughs> sucks if you own an Amazon product. You want to... YouTube is the go-to television station for people under 35. So, Google's cut access to YouTube on Amazon smart speakers with screens called the Echo Show, and it plans to block YouTube on Amazon's Fire TV media streaming as of January 1. Google, a unit of Alphabet, said Amazon's retail website doesn't sell competing products like Google Home Smart Speaker or Google's Chromecast streaming device. Google also claimed that Amazon's Prime Video lineup of shows and movies isn't available via Chromecast. It added that Amazon stopped selling some products from Nest, a connected device maker that is Google's sister firm under Alphabet. Amazon in October launched a home security system that competes with Nest. So there's some reciprocity going on. Apple in the news. Apple TV is now doing Amazon Prime. Apple is the smartest company of them all because all they want to do is sell devices. Google and Alphabet are trying to sell services. Apple wants to sell devices. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. San Francisco rent is so expensive that a law firm just bought a $3 million plane to fly its people in from Texas instead of having them live here. San Francisco's median rent price now is $4,400, nearly three times the median rent in Houston. So instead of hiring expensive local talent in the Bay Area, one Houston-based law firm flies its lawyers in on a private jet once a month to meet with clients. It's $2,500 to operate a jet as a tool for recruiting top talent. Pretty awesome idea. Uh, I'm going to live in Vegas and fly into work every day and fly home. Some people are starting to do that in San Francisco. I'm Rob Black, Money Investing More.